Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hi, this is Trisha Keffer with New Books in Architecture, a special mini-series in landscape architecture. This week, we are live from sunny Orlando, Florida at the Florida Chapter Conference of the American Society of Landscape Architects. If you have any ideas for books, please drop me a line through my website at plantspeoplelove.com. I hope you enjoy the following interview. Hi, this is Trisha from uh, Orlando, Florida. I'm coming to you live from the Florida chapter of the American Society of Landscape Architects conference this year. And I have a very special guest for you, Nadia Amoroso. Her book is Representing Landscapes Analog. A publisher is Routledge in 2019. Hi, Nadia. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Trisha, for having me. And I'm hoping you're having a good time there in Florida. Oh, we are. We're just having a blast here in Florida at Universal, and uh, it's just so much fun. We wish you were here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Please send my regards to uh, Sean Kelly there, the ASLA president, and all the people. I will be sure to do so. Um, And uh, let's get started. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, my name is Nadia Moroso, and I am a professor at the University of Guelph. Um, I mainly teach the design studios, uh, urban design, community planning, and the uh, foundation studios, uh, both in um, the undergraduate program and uh, the graduate program. Um, So I'm part of the SEDRED, the School of Environmental Design and Rural Development at the University of Guelph. Just for the audience, she's, you've got several books, so um, this is your latest one. Yes, correct, correct. So uh, Representing Landscapes Analog is part of a collection of books that showcase students' work um, of various drawing mediums uh, and drawing types uh, from various uh, global landscape architecture programs. Um, and so this is actually the fourth edition or the fourth book in that, in that kind of group or that collection. And this last one specifically focuses on analog means. Uh, so let's get started. So you're talking about hand drawings. Um, and in the foreword, um, it was uh, Mr. Richards in the foreword who wrote that, correct? Yes, correct. Yes, yes. He's an amazing legend, perfect, like does a lot of work um, with hand sketching and he tours around the globe doing these wonderful workshops with groups on sketching various sites. So I was very pleased that he was able to write the foreword for this book. Yes, I really enjoyed this foreword. Yes, I've taken his workshops. He's really pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's a very cool workshop. So let's let's talk about some of the things he talked about in his forward. Um, and I want to ask you, you know, how does drawing lead to the discovery of a place and its future design process? So Jim Richards actually states in, in part of his forward, and he also talks about this a lot in his lectures, that the drawing's purpose is not simply like to represent what is known, but through the interaction of the eye and the hand and mind, like to reach a greater understanding and clarity, to elicit insights into the unknown. So to see drawing as a part of a process of discovery 
and to understand its value. So drawing physically, like by actually holding a pencil or a pen and putting that on paper and actually interacting with your eyes, looking at a space and then visually recording it on paper by hand gives you a deeper insight to that space. You know, we've had, how is this different from digital? Do you think that, um, do you think they compete? Do you think they complement, or how do you, how do you see drawing still being relevant in our profession? So I, I feel that like hand drawing is very vital, especially like in the beginning, because it's the kind of more basic skill to learn. Um, so kind of having an understanding on how to draw by hand is quite important because sometimes when you're actually drawing and, and going back to the idea of discovery, like you begin to see things in sight that are more detailed, like you actually pay a little bit more attention while you're recording that actual element. So it could be a specific detail of a site, for example, a step or a seating element or actually kind of drawing a specific leaf or a branch, you know, you start to see the actual details of that actual element. And, and I think you get that more by hand drawing. Um, digital is great, but sometimes we kind of lose sight on the kind of the real space rather than the virtual space. Um, and do you find that students who learn with hand drawings at the beginning uh, return with better design solutions? I, I think so. I think so. Like what, what's happening now is sometimes people develop some technical skills right from the beginning and start to design. But I think there's this kind of loss of scale and space and just some basic design principles that if you work by hand or just actually using trace paper on a plan and and if you make a mistake, you're not worried that you spent time working on something more pristine that's digital you know, you're able to kind of toss that out or kind of develop that with a further trace paper on top of it. Like, so, you know, being quick and messy at the beginning is important because you're not married to a specific design idea. And digital just, you know, it, it does. Sometimes to me, it feels like I put so much effort into it. it. It feels like more work at this point in time on a computer versus just put it down by hand really fast. That, that's correct. Yeah. And, and, and there, and I think they work hand in hand, but I think drawing in the beginning allows you to understand scale and space much better. Like, you know, I find that for example, um, in our foundation courses, uh, one of our projects that we do is to create a physical model of an existing park or space, but not to create, um, the, like that, that train model type, you know, that, kind of detail, but more to understand the shape, the volume, and the actual scale of the elements in relationship to everything else. So for example, like that kind of the form of that tree or that shape of the kind of seating elements and how that, that relates to the other uh, pieces of the landscape as a whole, right? So not to get into the actual detail of the model, but to actually understand it's more volume or spatial representation. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about, um, I, I was, of course, a professional photographer first, and I started teaching people to do slower photography because I find with some of the digital cameras, we just snap off things too quick. But then I found that drawing actually made me slow down more and really study a space. Um, how does uh, drawing uh, take you into a space to learn more about it? So I think, again, like with drawing, like if you work, for example, in AutoCAD or SketchUp in the beginning, 
I think you might kind of lose the sense of scale. And so again, like as mentioned before, the idea of scale is very important to draw a physical kind of output right from the beginning. Um, so, you know, another exercise, for example, that we do um, that's actually more analog is is to take an existing plan of an, of an existing park with a relative scale or scale bar to it and then actually going to a copy machine and actually enlarging it or scaling it down or reducing its size to see, you know, what it would be to change its scale, for example, at 1 to 100 to 1 to 200 or 1 to 300, and actually seeing the physical printed output, what that change means scale-wise, right? And I think having that kind of physical printout shown right in front of you with an actual scale bar beside you gives you that sense of, of change and, and relationship with the a larger scale versus a smaller scale means. Yeah. And um, like, uh, I'll skip to a chapter here, like chapter four, Peter Hansen, you know, ideas are just never enough. And I'll give our audience just a little quote here, you know, in higher education, what matters is how ideas are achieved, how they're transformed from language into concepts and strategies and uh, defining a specialized process warrants a unique direction. And I find that that's true, that it was, um, as an older student, do you find that older students um, coming in, um, is it relearning how to communicate? For me, um, in the educational system, you know, we're very much taught language and numbers, and then to go to drawing your ideas was a little bit of a leap. Um, And uh, being able to transform, you know, into a new language. Um, How do you, I'm I'm throwing you a new question here. You know, how do you teach that? Yeah, I I see what you're saying. And it's it's hard, especially if people don't have that skill in the beginning to draw. Um, But developing, but, but developing this kind of drawing skill is vital because it's important to communicate your ideas. You know, one thing that we could perhaps start doing is is to almost cheat a little bit, um, get your confidence going. For example, you may want to take a photograph, a perspective view of a site that you're familiar with, maybe something very simple, like a one-point perspective, um, something like an allay of tree, you know, something with a straight path and vertical elements that really define a strong uh, space. And take a photograph of that and perhaps print it out and blow it up on a photocopier and then overlay trace paper and begin to, you know, draw the actual structural contour of, of that drawing. And so you begin to see the, the vanishing points and the one point perspective and, and, and perhaps kind of using that as a base to develop the structural parts of the drawings and then remove it and then create either shade or shadow more detail afterwards. And so, you know, you slowly start to begin um, to develop various skills. If you're not comfortable right away, drawing from the eye straight, you know, to, to that space onto the paper. So I found that technique work very well because then, you know, after a bit, people start to work on it further and further. And then after a while, they don't need those kind of training wheels and they're able then to draw on their own. I love that metaphor. Yeah, it is. You got to You got to have a little bit of training wheels. I think that, um, you know, uh, I love most authors, you know, and I think this book really reinforces it, too, which is what I really like is your step by step approach. And. Um, not making it too overwhelming at the beginning. It's like, uh, you know, I'm not going to draw anything that's going to look like the Louvre right off yeah, the bat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. 
And, and, and that's what's important is, is sketches could be messy, right? It doesn't have to be pristine. And, and, and that's what makes it interesting. And, and I like this step-by-step, uh, and Richard Almer, you know, that, that art, um, you know, it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's understanding the process and, uh, and getting there. And it felt like it just gave me a little more confidence. Like it's almost like a little workbook. Do you use this? How do you use this in your classroom? These types of books. Um, so I present them like, for example, if people are looking for a specific style or a specific drawing type, I, 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 sh- I show them these visuals so they could, you know, connect right away. Um, so I could like point to specific drawing element that they might like to draw. And hopefully that these books become more like inspirational pieces um, and, and like a kind of a go-to resource for them to look at right away. And build their confidence. Too. Yes, of course. Yeah, because that's the whole point with the these publications, that their work's done by students at the same level that they were at. So it's not done by professionals. And so it's kind of a thing that they could aspire or achieve to to get. Yeah. And since we're in Florida, I'm just going to, I'm going to jump to another little chapter here because I want to be sure to get this in. Uh, Alfie at the University of Florida contributed to your book. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And and so my question is, you know, how does drawing communicate design ideas and exploration at the same time? I mean, what appropriate level of detail, uh, do you take it to with this analog before you go maybe even digital? So drawing right away allows you to discover something about the space. It could be analytical or it could be something that you quickly want to record it. Drawing is not just a visual communication piece. I I find it also as not only an analytical, but a research piece as well. And, and, and one of the things that actually Lawrence Halperin talks about is that he loved to do sketches, that it was part of his design process and it helped him think about how spaces flow together. And it also helped him to think about scale and they were done quickly. So there's not like this idea of being time, a time consuming or tasking element. Like it, it made him think about how this space actually could work. So I, I think it's, it's very important. And, and then when the time comes, you know, once you reach at a point where you think, uh, there is an appropriate design solution, um, then I would say that you could even start to experiment or jump into like digital means for, for, you know, for more refinement. Yeah. But I think drawing is very important and, and kind of going back to Lawrence Halperin, you know, he, 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 he used kind of drawing almost as these kind of musical scores and, He had a book called the RSVP Cycles, um, which looked at the idea of resource score, value action and performance. And and this was this idea of having like constant feedback um, from people and and actually sketching those. And he he called it a scoring because it was kind of like music. And Lawrence Halpern had a, a, a his wife, Anna, was an actual performer or dancer and and he, his wife, you know, at one point was having trouble communicating a specific performance or a specific dance to a group of people. And he actually drew like the kind of the choreography or the actual movement and flow of how people could uh, move in the space. And, and he found that, uh, you know, she found that very helpful for, for her, um, her group to, to follow. And 
So it's not just actually used in our own profession. Of course, it's used in others. But he he used that analogy then to bring it back to to the landscape, you know, um, kind of going back, sketching the site, see if it works, getting critical feedback. And if it didn't work, went back and sketched um, the spaces further. Well, pun intended, you know, it, um, yeah. I, I play flute, you know, musical scales. Yeah. Yeah, that's your building block. So musical scales, we got we to gotta learn skill. Yeah. We just learn skill by drawing. Yes, yes, of course, of course. And and I kind of going back, and I know it's kind of repeating myself, but when people start working right away in digital, they kind of have a loss of the sense of scale and, and drawing and doing physical models and and actually using a, a scale bar or, or, or metric scale to kind of look at how things um, are in relationship to each other in a physical sense is very important. Yeah, because I found that... Um yeah, when I was just working on a computer, it was just like you could zoom in and out, and it's this and that. And I'm like, whoa, I'm I'm kind of not I'm not seeing yeah even the scale of even where you know to do presentations. Do you do you think that um, we could still do presentations with just drawing? Does it have to be digital? Well, at this point, I think you know you it's it's difficult because now everybody's doing digital. Um, you still can do it by hand, but it has to be very creative and poetic. Like there has to be some kind of craft and art to that physical piece. Like I think physical models are for sure still valued and respected um, and appreciated Um, in terms of panels. uh, You know, uh, it's a little bit more difficult because now things are actually assembled in a digital platform, either in in design or illustrator. So the drawings themselves then get put up through that or, or, or printed through that. So, you know, I guess you could do it, but you have to keep all the kind of the styles the same and everything the same um, as a final presentation piece. So I think quick drawings are great as part of the design process in terms of the actual final presentation. Um, you know, it has to be a crafty output or something that's actually beautiful or enticing and elegant. So that definitely has to have a fine art and all the kind of drawing elements, including the plan, the sketches, uh, the perspectives, um, uh, they all have to have then that similar uh, drawing quality and style to look like it's been done by the same author. Yeah, that's true. But that's kind of inspirational too, you know, um, start, start small and scale and then, mm-hmm. and then work your way up to yeah, yeah, more beautiful, even hand-drawn art pieces. Yeah, um, that's, that's correct. I think, yeah, the, a lot of the, you know, professions in the past, like, you know, before like 10, 15 years ago, all of these beautiful hand sketches and drawings and panels, right? It's just now that skill has become more of a lost art and it's used more in the beginning and throughout the design process. But for the final presentation piece, it's a, a little bit more difficult to, you know, persuade because to do a final crafted piece, sometimes it does take longer than the actual digital well, let me ask you, I'm going to throw you a curveball. What's one of your favorite drawings in this book? I'll give you a second to think about it. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so many of them, and I, I, I feel bad saying one over the other. Well, you know, of it's course, okay. I'm a little biased by my own students, so I like the works <laughs> that my own students did. Um, but honestly, all of them are, like, fantastic. I'm very intrigued by some of these 
charcoal sketches that were done actually by uh, FIU. They did some like fantastic work. Um, and, you know, some of the works that were done by the University of, of Hawaii as well, some of those models um, are quite fantastic. And even at the University of uh, Virginia, um, you know, some of those physical models are quite beautiful as well, these little maquettes that they've done. That's true. Uh, I think the University of Hawaii, they just, they just started their landscape architecture program. Um, it's been out for a while. Uh, I'm not very familiar with it, but I know it's part of the architecture school. Um, uh, but Simon is now, I think, uh, one of the kind of the directors or, or has some higher position there. He's, he's come from uh, the GSD and recently has started at the University of Hawaii. And he's really kind of pushing uh, this kind of art and craftsmanship into the program. Well, that's what I really like about your book, too. It's very uh, cross-collaboration between um, all of the universities um, and students, uh, which is quite inspiring to see um, work from other places, the similarities, the differences, and style. It's kind of cool. Yes, and and if I want to kind of conclude this kind of conversation, that was even the whole point, that these books become insights or sneak peeks into other programs because then we start to work in a bubble only within our schools and we don't see what other students are doing in the other programs and there's so many of them. And so this gives us an opportunity to kind of see what other students in the various programs um, are working on and what their styles, their craftsmanship are like. Well, I, I know we've taken up a lot of your time today, and, and this is a, a quick broadcast. Um, for our listeners, we have another longer interview um, in an earlier podcast. But my last question is always, uh, Nadia, what are you working on now? Oh, boy. <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm going to hold off on books for now. Uh, but, you know, one of the main things is uh, I'm working on the speaker series at the University of Guelph uh, in the Landscape Architecture de- uh, Department. And we have a symposium coming up and, uh, you know, with various landscape architects speaking on visualization. Um, and we have a series of workshops that are coming up. So coordinating more some uh, lectures and outside workshops for people to come into the university and help train the students to develop these skills. Oh, well, that sounds fascinating. Well, I hope you keep writing more books. Oh, yeah. thank you very much. Yes. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a pause for now and there will be something coming up soon. I, I promise there'll be something coming up soon again with the idea of visualization and drawing. Um, so uh, maybe not this year, but Hopefully the year after something will come. Well, keep in touch. And um, again, thank you. Um, uh, We wish you were here in Florida and uh, we will hear and see from you soon on the web. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon.